This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. It's time for Speak Legal, conversations with Community Law Otago, made with the support of Law Faculty, University of Otago. Well, good morning, Jess, and thank you for coming into the studio and getting out of bed so early in the morning. <laughs> good morning, Alan. Thank you. Not too bad this <laughs> Not morning. Not too bad? Not too bad. Oh, well, you know, at least semi-retired people like myself, I struggle to get out of bed at that time, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> We're, both go- here. We're both here. We're both here. You're both here. So, Jess, you're with uh, Community Law. I am. And we're going to uh, touch a, conf- a particular subject today called conservation land in New Zealand. Goodness me, that sounds a bit complicated to me. Yeah. Well, I think it is a little bit complicated, and I think it's important to draw awareness to it because a lot of the time we are dealing with land and um, using land and going for walks on land that is conservation land of some kind. So knowing what you can do, how that's become conservation land and and how it might not be conservation land in the future is important to have a think about. So the first challenge that you're going to bring to us is how does land become conservation land? Yeah, so I guess you start from when uh, the government becomes aware of that land. Uh, Sometimes it might be land that's already owned by the Crown, land that the government already has control over. Um, Quite often that's the case when it comes to national parks, reserves, that sort of thing. However, it can be land that is privately owned. Right. So that's you and I. Well, for me anyway, I own a piece of land. Not me for another 10 years, probably. (laughs) Um, So if you're a private individual, you own some land and you think that that land is a really, um, I mean, a really important site to protect in terms of conservation. It has some really significant conservation values. Um, Then you can bring an application based on that value of the land to the government. Um, Generally, it is the landowner that will bring that to the awareness of the government. Um, But the government doesn't have to own that land. And I think that's a really important factor is that they can... um, manage that land under a different title or under a different legal status so um, they can have a covenant that allows them control or management of that land and it runs with the title Um, so it doesn't it burdens the title doesn't necessarily burden the the landowner and I think that's that's significant because I guess you worry that someone else is going to control the land that you you owned. I, I now better keep going because there was a wee question I had that might put you on the spot. So, but that's all right. We, um, so, what are the different types of conservation land in New Zealand? Yeah. So, once land is acquired or identified as needing conservation protection, um, quite often it'll form a stewardship area, and that is um, sort of a holding pen for that land. That's before we decide what way we're going to classify it, what sort of protection it needs. Um, From that stewardship area, some examples of what land or foreshore might be classified as, um, like I've already said, reserves, national parks, we've got a few of those around. Um, For example, the Cook landing sites are frequently protected as reserves. Um, Oh, that's interesting. Which is interesting because that's a heritage site. Quite often our heritage sites are protected as reserves. National parks, so um, Mount Cook, Aoraki National Park, for example, um, protected under the National Parks Act, um, and that's and and the whole idea about national parks in particular is that they should be preserved in their natural state, um, but that we want to allow access to them as well. So that's that control over what that area is, and right. then still allowing you know through Mount Cook there are there's the Hooker Valley Track and lots right. of other walks around there. So. 
Um, and the idea behind that, allowing access to the land, even though it is really important conservation land, um, is that it kind of it gives people a place to escape to, somewhere um, that they can kind of recognise the value of our land and 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 want to protect it more. I guess if you're seeing right. it, you can believe it and you can ho- right. hope for the best in the future. Right. And so how are these different statues preserved or protected? Yeah, so the different ways that land is protected, obviously, like I said, it it depends on what actions we want to restrict on that land or what sort of things we want to really protect. For example, um, and this is a controversial part of the conservation, um, conservation land in New Zealand, like those stewardship areas that I talked about, that's generally the holding pen before we decide what other ways we want to protect that land. Um, it's a lot easier to switch land or trade land or decide that we don't want that to be conservation land anymore when it's in that stewardship area right. holding pen. So um, right. there's an interest in deciding quite quickly whether how we want that land to be classified. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of what we're restricted from doing on different areas or different parts of land, um, national parks are what we would say are like the maximum level of protection compared to other forms. Um, that's because we allow public access, but there can be times where we protect different parts of it, or you see lots of signs that say, don't go, go beyond this point, there's a... Right. Um, yeah. Something, something growing in this area, something that we've just started up a, a area of. Um, but I guess you can, there are some offences that you can be liable for in those national parks and in other conservation land. Um, that's things like leaving rubbish yeah, or right. taking plants or yeah. things like that. Um, interestingly, I guess um, in law we have this ordinary offence system right. where you're served with a notice and you have to go to court and pay some right. money. Um, but we also have these infringement offences which are just on-the-spot fines and I guess that's what you hear about most often as yep. well because yep. um, we do have a real interest in yep. protecting that land. Right. We've got Jess in the studio this morning and uh, Jess is from the community Law Otago. So Jess, uh, how does a piece of land lose its conservation status? It depends on the type of conservation status it has. Um, I guess, like I said, with the stewardship areas, it's easy to drop them. Right. Um, but what has to happen before they are um, any other land except for national parks, it has to revert back into that stewardship area before it can be um, right. removed as a right. conservation piece of land. Yeah. So um, and in order for that to happen, it has to lose its conservation value and then yeah, return to that holding right. pen and then come back. National parks, different, because we do have that high level of protection. Um, they can only be disestablished through an act of parliament, um, and that's a pretty high bar to set. So um, like we like to think, and it is quite difficult right. for yeah. national parks to no right. longer be protected. Yeah. Yeah. Now... You may not be able to make any comment on this, Mm -hmm. but I believe there's been a little bit of controversy about the government looking to acquire land for heritage purposes, and the Northland Council got some feedback um, by public sort of protest. Have Mm -hmm. you caught up with a wee bit on this? I haven't caught up with that specifically, but that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think part of the issues with conservation land in New Zealand is that it is 
sort of under the control of a council and right. the government yep. and parliament, and you do get a conflict between that because obviously the council has more of an idea of mm. what the current views are in that right. area, right. Um, and parliament might have a, an idea of, in general, the future yes. or where they want yeah. to go with things, yeah. and quite often that can cause a conflict, yeah. and that's yeah. one of the implications of... Yeah. I guess, how our law protects right. or preserves yeah. conservation I mean, I didn't, land. I didn't want to sort of put you on the spot because it's probably quite a complex sort of a legal yeah. um, conversation. And I, from what I was picking up a wee bit is that it was like... Um, I don't know what authority could come onto the onto your sort of land and say, "Oh, hang on, ninety uh, percent of this land here, I think, could be well reserved for heritage purposes." Mm. And it seemed to me that um, people had no right of response. It was yeah. sort of like, "We'll just take it for yeah. that." Now, I don't think it affected anything from a visual point of view, but I think it created some sort of. Well, I'm I've basically just about lost my piece of yeah property. So. Yeah. Um, it, it could be interesting to see how that one goes. Yeah, no, we do. I guess that is that is another conflict that we do hold private property in a really high level of protection. Yes. Uh, when I say we, I mean um, everyone other than me. But <laughs> right. um, because because I don't have property to, to yes. protect, really. But yeah. Um, yeah, I guess like conservation land. We're thinking about the future. We're thinking about current landowners. We're thinking yeah. about the government. We're thinking about. The yeah. councils. We're thinking about Māori and iwi interests. Right. Um, and another interesting part, another implication of how we might lose conservation land is, I guess, a lot of the time we might be protecting wildlife or right. um, or plants. And those animals and plants have no idea where the boundaries are for, for those national parks, for those reserves. Right. Um, and so there is a lot of... Um, Interest or a lot of um, kickback from some people who suggest that maybe mm. we should we should follow those animals right. and we should follow those plants in a way that better protects them than yeah. put them in in invisible right. fences and right. and tell them that they have to stay within that area to have yeah. the ultimate protection yeah. of the law. So uh, am I am I recalling correctly too? So like um, in some areas where sand dunes are sort of protecting penguins and and sites, is that mm-hmm. sort of space that would be generally come under a conservation protection? Yeah, quite often. Yeah. And quite often the foreshore, I mean, you get um, yes. dot rules and yeah. things like that up in North right. Island in particular that they'd be protecting penguins down here. Um, it's under the, you know, if it's under docks supervision, then often it's going to be something that the Ministry of Conservation and um, conservation in right. general has some control over, yeah. whether that's ultimate yeah. control or just to keep an eye out. So it, it can be complicated, but I suppose that's part of the role of um, the community law Otago. If listeners have obviously got some queries or questions or concerns about this whole aspect mm-hmm. of conservation land or what their sort of status in there, this is some advice that you can obviously um, give some good advice about. Yeah, for sure. If you're, so, if you're unsure about <laughs> conservation land or, or your land and how that might be impacted by conservation law, um, then community law would be super happy to yeah. help. So it, it may sound quite um, complicated, but in some ways if you work through the process, it doesn't have to be complicated. No, no. And, and, it's, and, and I guess um, 
there's a lot online as well. So if you're interested in seeing what sort of protections or what sort of um, classifications each area that you visit has, then you can you can look that up too. Yeah. Um, the other wee question uh, that I have, I did work in the legal profession for a few years, mainly around sort of conveyancing work. Mm-hmm. But um, one thing that I can recall back in my early days, uh, there was a lot of change of statutes of law that seemed to always be permeating around, you know, once a month, you know, government, whatever it is. So I suppose in that sense, you've got to have some sort of uh, forward knowledge about how some of these statutes of law can be applied, Mm -hmm. uh, how to be interpreted. So again, Mm -hmm. that's sort of something you're going to have to keep your... On your toes about, is that right? Yep, yep, exactly. And I guess um, in this particular situation, if you're wanting to do something on conservation land, quite often that is um, kept an eye over by the Resource Management Act. And that is under... potential overhaul at the moment right. so, so it'll be interesting to see whether right. that has much of an impact on conservation right. land and conservation law Yep. Now I, I don't, I've met you this morning so some of your background, are you doing a lot of this sort of type of um, legal work? I have Is a bit it, of a mixed bag of right. legal things that yep. I do, I'm a student so I'm yeah. in my last year, last semester right. um, crawling to the end and I am but undecided whether I want to do private or public law, so sure. I've kind of kept a foot in both sides, yeah. which could be could be a bit um, yeah. interesting to see how yeah. that plays out. Good but I'm you. really excited to see yeah. what happens. Great, Jess. Well, thank you for coming into the studio, and I know that um, for listeners, some of these things uh, are really helpful just to get a few. Well, just get some really good sort of bases of understanding, and I think the law can be as i said before quite complex it has its um twists and turns and if you don't get the right advice people can go down the pathway and get really into quite a bit of bother really can't they yeah exactly so yeah. it's good to know before you before you need yeah, to try know. yeah well jess um all the best for your continued studies and uh for your future i know that um the law profession is really changed a lot since I was around uh, the more specialist work that's required now and knowledge and expertise so uh, no doubt you'll be out there in the big wide world looking for a, a position. Yeah no really excited thank you for having me. Great so that was Jess from the uh, Community Law Otago and uh, they're a great uh, organisation they do provide some really solid advice and um, certainly as Jess said that um, if you're in any doubt then make sure that you make some contact with the Community Law Otago. Community Law Otago. Free legal advice and support for the people of Otago. Visit our weekday advice clinics at 169 Princess Street, Dunedin. Clinic session times are available from the website communitylawotago.com. Ring 474-1922 or 0800-169-333 if calling from outside Dunedin. Speak Legal is made with support from the Law Faculty, University of Otago, Training for Life. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.